0: Coming up, I'm serving you a little Sunday NBA brunch. Some eggs, some breakfast potatoes, some toast, some orange juice, some some of those breakfast buns with the coffee cake crumble thingies. Oh, and a whole bunch of NBA. That too, it's all next. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by Honey Stinger. This is a show about sports and culture opinions, but right now I wanna talk sports facts, the data, the stats. Honey Stinger, sports nutrition, trusted by more than 1,500 pro and college teams. That's right, 1,500. That's all 32 pro football teams. That's 39 pro basketball teams, 29 pro baseball teams, and more that prepare, perform, and recover with the delicious taste of Honey Stinger's energy waffles, chews, gels, and bars. Honey Stinger is the one team's trust. Use code SIMMONS for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. That is S-I-M-M-O-N-S for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra. Not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like McLoab Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game. Right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at McLoabUltra.com slash courtside LDA 21 and up. We're also brought to you by The Ringer podcast network. We're hitting Stranger Things pretty hard on the Ringerverse podcast. House of R, Mallory and Joanna. They already broke down episode eight. That is up. I guess the final episode of season four, they're going to be breaking that down as well. I did not follow what was going on in season four of Stranger Things. All I know is my, my son set an alarm for 6 a.m. on Friday morning. Him and my daughter watched both episodes on Friday morning and they were very upset afterwards. And I, I No spoilers. I just... My son doesn't get upset that often. He was very upset about something that happened. That's all I know. I'll have to listen to how R and find out what happened. Also, a new rewatchable is coming on Monday night. Me and Brian Koppelman, we did Misery. The Stephen King book turned into a classic movie that won Kathy Bates an Oscar. You can find it on some of the streamers. It is one of the best thrillers, I think, of the last 35 years, featuring an indelible performance by Kathy Bates. So we covered that on Monday night. Had a lot of fun doing that one on this podcast. So much NBA happened. Priscilla and I said, fuck it. Let's go late Sunday morning, Pacific time. Let's just get this out. We have the Celtics and Durant, most importantly, the Gobert trade, 25 other things that happened. We're going to cover it all. It's all next first, our friends from Project. <laughs> All right, Ryan Maceau is here. I'm just going to start your late Sunday morning as we're uh, entrenched in the July 4th week. I'm going to start you with this. I think I hated the Rudy Gobert trade more for Minnesota than any trade for the last 30 years that I've hated for a team. I've that looked at it for two days. Is, wow. I, I've looked at what they got. I looked at my feelings for can you win with Gobert, for the reasoning behind it, and I just don't get it. And I rarely plant my flag. I feel like I've, I'll point my flag really hard when I feel really strong about something. Like Luca was a good example. Luca, falling to three. I just didn't understand. i point my flag on that. I hate this trade for Minnesota, Brasile. I hate it. I can't defend it. We'll go through everything they gave up. But that, my initial reaction was, what is going on? And then I looked at it for 48 hours and I'm even more confused. If you had told me that they just gave up two unprotected picks with everything else they gave up to take Gobert and his money back, I'm still not positive. I love it for Minnesota and I'll go into all the reasons why, but that was my initial reaction. What was your initial reaction? What is it now?
1: I hated it then. I hate it now. Uh, I don't know if it's the worst trade in 30 years. That seems aggressive.
0: No, I'm saying I hated it the most of any, and I'll go through some of the other trades, but just uh, I vehemently dislike this trade. It depends on how you feel about Gobert, right? So,
1: you know, whenever you'll talk to a team and you try to think like, hey, are you Gobert guys or are you not, right? I think we all know what this camp has been for a few years. I remember the first time truly understanding how insane his impact was on the floor over the course of a season. Like, I remember Zach Lowe one time calling me uh, because I was at ESPN and he's like, hey, I'm doing some different things. He's like, I like to just check in with different people. And he's like, did you see some of this Gobert stuff? And I go, yeah, I thought something was wrong when I saw the on-off with him. Because it was so dramatic and it was such a, like a significant number that showed you what his value was. And so I felt like I defended him a lot. Uh, I don't like guys that you don't have to guard. All right. That's like a fundamental belief I'm always going to have about basketball players. I kind of want you to be able to score sometimes and I kind of want to have to worry about it a little bit. So as this has played out and you started asking around about like a Go Bear market for however long you go, like some people loved him. And then there'll also be other groups that would be like, look, we like him. But our fucking analytics department comes down the hallway screaming about how amazing this guy is. And I think that's part of the Gobert divide and the confusion. So there's a really quick part of this for Minnesota where you're like, maybe it's okay. Maybe they have a nice little run here for four or five years. Maybe these picks that they loaded in, it doesn't really matter because they all end up being in the 20s. And if we talked about for years, they're all, they can all be a little overrated. But now I think they've sort of shifted to be completely undervalued. But it's a very, very dangerous game to get into when you start kicking these picks years down the road, unprotected. When... We've learned if we've learned anything the last couple of years, you have no fucking clue who you are going to be and who your roster, who's going to be on your roster in a couple of years, <laughs> and what stars are going to be in that roster. Exactly. So to say, oh, we're going to be good. That's what Houston thought when they started trading for Russell Westbrook. That's what Brooklyn thought when they traded for Harden. That's what um, you know. Milwaukee's a better bet because Giannis seems to be the kind of personality. It's like I fucking love it here. Trade whatever you want for Drew Holiday. So. I, the only part of this that I can understand is that if there was such an analytic drive from it and Conley's awesome, you know, the new the new guy running it and Matt Lloyd that he brought in from Orlando. These are really good front office guys. And I know that they're opposing uh, field goal percentage at the rims like 67 percent. It was 25th in the NBA. They wanted to kind of fix that. But then what? But then what? Okay, cool. Maybe you win a ton of regular season games. Maybe you're a four seed. But Bill, I'd ask you this. like, You just locked into this, moved this many unprotected picks, and you're going to pay Gobert $47 million in 2026. Are you guaranteed next year? Are you going to pick them? Can you sit there today in July and say, I guarantee they win a first round
0: series next playoffs? Let's talk about the price. Let's talk about how we feel about Gobert and then let's talk about how we feel about Minnesota now locked into these three guys. So the price, three unprotected picks, 23, 25, 27, a swap unprotected in 26, a top five protected pick in 29. They gave up Vanderbilt in this trade who you and I really like, like I would value him what, like in, if they were just trading him before the draft, could they have gotten a pick in the twenties for him? I would say, yeah. Right? A I would I point. would say
1: yes, I really like Vanderbilt. I like I also, Vanderbilt you know. a
0: lot. 4 million 4.7. Beasley and Beverly were two expirings that I don't know. I feel like that Utah's probably going to be able to flip. Well, you got to Kess- trade somebody for the money. I mean, you know, I get it. So. Kessler Kessler was the 22nd pick in 2022 and in was also a first round pick. So, five first and a 22 first plus Vanderbilt plus two good expirings. You've traded all of your trade leverage. You have no trade Leverage left at all, except for D'Angelo Russell, who nobody really wants anyway. Um, that is a prohibitive, insane price. Like we thought, what uh, what New Orleans got for Davis, both you and I thought was too much, but we understood it from the Lakers' side because now you have Davis and LeBron, you can win the title. Yeah, I don't feel well, that way about Minnesota. I don't feel like getting giving all that stuff up for Gobert and having Gobert, Towns, and Edwards. Who's not even twenty one years old yet? I don't think that locks you in anything. Can you make round two? Maybe, sure. Let's say round two. Is that worth trading six first round picks? I just, I just don't think Gobert is worth that. I had him because he did isn't. My trade value list. I I had him in like the forties with his salary with his age. This isn't a
1: mystery. All right. The, the only people that be screaming, listening to this right now, have only looked at the numbers and said, Hey, here's a number for you. Seven straight regular seasons to seven straight playoff seasons. The defense got worse, and it's only going to continue to get worse. You know, he's somebody you can attack if you bring him away, which isn't fair necessarily to him, but he's somebody who you can like. And look, I thought he held up pretty well in some of that weird switching shit when his entire perimeter defense for Utah just decided, other than O'Neal, to stop playing defense. Yeah, that series against Dallas to me, like, I like Donovan Mitchell. Some little things started going off, being like, come on, man. Are you going to be one of these dudes? We talked about it.
0: Yeah. Right. Stop being a
1: two way guy. Even the Clippers thing, it's not entirely fair to go bare to be like, hey, protect the rim and then also run out and close out on Reggie Jackson in the corner. Like, that wasn't. But the problem is, is you never have to guard him. Now, is he all of a sudden going to become more of an offensive player? I I don't want to hear about his 15 points a game. I don't want to hear it. I went through it. What's your defensive efficiency per 100 in the regular season? What is it in the playoffs that got worse all seven years? Why is he going to get better now at his age? Why are you like, if I'm going to pay somebody $47 million in 2026, and I'm going to give you all these unprotected picks, he's going to be 34, right? The players part of it sucks, which is why they should just be able to trade picks for the guy you want instead of also getting rid of some of your own depth in this. Like, that's the other thing I hate about trades in the NBA where you're like, do you guys even want some of these guys that we're giving you because we'd like to keep one or two of them but we can't because of the trade rules with the CBA. But if I'm doing all of these things, I have to know like okay, I'm a lock to like get in the second round and compete. I go into the west next year feeling like I'm competing with everybody else in the top 4. No, it has to I be ha-
0: Davis, it has to be Davis LeBron. It's like we are giving up an insane amount of assets but now I know we can make the finals. Like to me, that's the barometer for all this stuff they gave up. I I, I don't see What's, any other way to think about it. Give me
1: give me some examples of other trades you hated initially and and still don't well, like. I, it. I
0: give me one second on that because I just wanted to follow okay. up on your Gobert stuff really quick. Thirty years old, he's made the second round three times. Utah lost la- five of their last six playoff series with him. It's been three All Star games. He's Defensive Player of the Year three times. Second Team All NBA once. Third Team All NBA three times. Utah was 13-21 and in their last 34 playoff games. He kind of got, I don't want to say played off the floor, but they kept him out because they kept him out there. But the Clips and Mavs unlocked something that made it seem like there is actually a solution when you're going against Rudy Gobert in a playoff series.
1: And by the way, not just that. That regular season game against Golden State when Clay went off and Clay, in the postgame, Bill was like, we wanted to try to get Gobert in every single thing we could. <laughs> right. All right? And then the times you saw, like, Chris Paul, and you'd be like, oh, here we go. And it's not even, like, specific to Gobert. It's almost every one of these centers. But I don't want to hear about the regular season plus minus. I don't want to hear about the assist We screens. don't care about the I, I, I just, right, go
0: ahead. Well, how about this? Do you care about this? Here are the centers, 30 years old and over, who made an all-NBA team that weren't, like, Shaq, Hakeem, Kareem, like, the greatest. 2015, Gasol, 01 and 02, to Kembe, 2000, 2001, David Robinson, 1989, Robert Parrish. And then we'll remove Wilton, like all the great centers ever. I just wonder how Gobert's going to age. I mean, you could argue he was probably more impactful two years ago than he was this last year.
1: Because he's he was. He's a big guy. No, you're right. Taller it's, guy. Not a, it's not an argument. He, he's not getting better.
0: No Keep way. going. Well, then you think, okay, now I'm locked in to him and Towns as two of my three best guys. And my other guy is not 21 years old yet. Now, we just talk, we talked about Tatum for four playoff rounds in a row as Tatum's play declined and declined. And we talked about like, well, Tatum's 24. Here's the arc of these guys as they hit their mid-20s. They're always better at 27, 28, 29. Edwards, four years from now, is going to be 24. So, For this to work, first of all, he has to ascend to become like a Michael Jordan level talent as a guard. He's got to be like a 30 points a game guy. Then you have to figure out, can Towns and Gobert play together? We already have real questions about Towns who they just extended for even more money. Like we don't even know, Towns did some of the dumbest shit in in that playoff series that you and I have seen in a basketball series in the last 20 years. And there's real questions about, can you win 16 playoff games with this guy and win a title with how erratic he is and some of the stuff he does? And then on top of it, what are teams going to do against Towns and Gobert when they're out there together? It's, it just feels like constantly they're going to be putting them in space and trying to beat them one-on-one. I have no idea if these guys can play together. So if I'm making this trade, at that when I'm giving up all these picks, that's I kind of want to know, can these guys play together? Do you think they can play together? I'm not positive.
1: We're 10 minutes in. We haven't talked about the basketball part of it because I always try to figure out a way to like, go, okay, what would I argue against myself right now? And we know that regular season, healthy Gobert, although I would say he's declining or at least showed signs of declining last year from peak Gobert, maybe over the course of the regular season, it's like, man, you cannot drive on this team. Look at all this size... Anthony Edwards takes the leap that we all think he's going to take and that he's special. Maybe they flip D'Angelo Russell. You know what I mean? Like maybe at some point, maybe they win like 56, 57 games like on paper. I don't see it. Okay, hold on. But on paper – I could I could rattle six or seven teams I might like at full health better than even Minnesota right now. That's the not it's just not the way things work. Two of those teams are gonna have major injuries. So maybe they sneak up and all these different things. Like there's a basketball part of it, and maybe everybody's happy and ant's the kind of guy and they love it. It's like, hey, this is awesome. We're all cool with this. We're all young. This is funny. He's French. He tells, you know, like who knows? Maybe they're all happy. Maybe all those firsts don't mean shit. All right. Maybe, maybe it doesn't mean shit. But you're absolutely right. From a playoff basketball standpoint, a league that seems to not want to have centers out there at the end of playoff games is going to be paying like $73 million for two
0: of them. Yeah. How about this? The last couple years, 2025 and 26, it's $100 million just for those two guys. And we haven't given Edwards the max extension that he's going to get after year three, right? So now now you're all-time locked in and you have no way to improve those three guys. So if it doesn't work, what happens next? Towns asked for a trade. Or town starts getting shopped around. Now I have to make another trade to fix the situation I'm already in. And this goes back to something you and I have talked about a lot. I thought of you when this happened. This is a classic new owner syndrome trade. Classic. Timberwolves get these new owners. They They have a little bit of a moment in the playoffs where at least it was fun. They had a fun series against Memphis. New guys in charge wants to make a splash. His guy's telling, he hires Tim Connolly, gives him a lot of money. Tim Connelly's like, I think we can get Gobert. And, and what does the new owner go? Do it. Whatever it takes. I'm all in. Let's get him. Whatever it takes. Well, we'll, we'll, well we might lose all these unprotected picks. What about 2027 and 29? I don't care. Just throw them in. We're always going to be good. I'm going to spend money. Those picks, they'll all be non-lottery picks. This is a great trade for us. This is what happens with the new owners. We've seen this over and over and over again. New owners don't have patience. They want to get the big splash. They want to like buy the yacht, take everyone on their yacht. Like, oh look at my look at my Rudy Gobert yacht. Easy. Have you seen it? Come on in. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> look at my Rudy uh, <laughs> Gobert trade. Have you seen Rudy Gobert? Did you seen uh, the honestly, trade I made?
1: This feels like the Rudy Gobert back porch. Okay, <laughs> like when I bought my first property, a humble little condo in West Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah. Okay. Heard you some, know, heard
0: great stories about that
1: place. Right. Right. Some good I parties. Bought, I bought a. restoration hardware fire pit thing Mm. because when I saw it in the catalog, I think the background was like Malibu or maybe it was something like Pacific Palisades up top. And I'm like, man, look at all that teak furniture. Look at that view. That's fucking incredible. I was looking at the back of 20 other identical condos with like plastic dividers. And I set it up that first night, sat on the couch and looked back. And I'm like, I'm never going to hang out back here ever. Never. Like, I'm not looking at anything. So I'm you're saying at-
0: Utah spent $25,000 on the fire pit? Uh, I, I just, the new <laughs> the new owner thing, and you
1: know, I've talked about this for years. I know yeah. that, you know, it's something that it, it, original OG Simmons stuff. But I, you know, and I've shared this with you and whatever. There was a group that was looking at buying a team. They had a guy who had a guy who had a guy who was like, hey, can you ask Russillo what he thinks about any of this stuff? And I said, look, whoever you talk to is going to tell you they have the magic pill for this. All right? Any GM you're going to interview, any team president, any coach, if you were to buy this team, they're going to tell you they fix everything. It's the same in the NFL. You tell owners you can fix the quarterback when you want the job. You tell owners it's the quarterback when you want to keep the job, right? You yeah. go, I can fix this guy. You just draft him in the first round. I'm your guy. And then, you know, the guy still stinks. It's two years later, and you're like, hey, we got to get a different quarterback in here so you can protect yourself. What happens with every new owner is – they're so excited to finally own something as, as you're pointing out here that if you go back, so I wrote like this four page thing for this prospective group here going, whoever tells you they have some magic way of doing this is lying to you. It's a really hard job. It's the hardest job to be a GM. It's, it's fucking really hard, but you're going to have every other owner calling you saying, Hey, let's do something because their GM is going to go, Hey, let's get, we got new guys here. Fresh fish. Guys. It's right. Shawshank. It's like exactly. fresh fish, fresh fish. And so when you look at every time ownership transfer happens, it's hysterical. I went through like 15 ownership changes and almost the first deal is the worst one every time. Mark Cuban, who we'd all agree is like really smart, savvy. The first thing he did was traded for Rafe LaFrance's contract. The first well, thing he did. And then what
0: was the first thing Wick did? He he traded,
1: traded for Rafe La-France.
0: LaFrance's contract. <laughs> Rafe LaFrance is involved in so many of these first... He's, new- he's your picture on the book of the new owner syndrome <laughs> book. It's a picture of Ray LaFrance with different jerseys on. Before I was even in the business, I'll never forget,
1: like I'm driving around on my, my beat up Toyota pickup truck and I'm listening to Mark Cuban on Dan Patrick's show, Bill, and he's, he's convinced, like Dan Patrick was right. Dan's like, man, Rafe's like, look at this contract. It was like a $70 million max at the time. And then Cuban goes through this whole spiel that was brilliant because it, it's Cuban. It was fucking yeah. brilliant. And he's like. I'm going to, no, 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 Dan, what you don't understand, and by the end of the seven-minute phoner, you're like, man, they got friends LaFrance. <laughs> like at the end of it, I, I totally changed my mind because I was like, man, Cuban's so good at this. And it was ultimately like, from a basketball standpoint, these owners go look at every first transaction. How about like, go look at Prokhorov?
0: Yeah, go, go Google the Prokhorov
1: moves. Sacramento. Look, look at what Sacramento did those first few years.
0: Fundamentally. I, the cost is outrageous. And we'll talk about that after the break, how, how just how much I hate the cost of what they gave up. But then you're doing a win-now trade. Your best guy is 20 years old. Anthony Edwards is 21 in August. You and I both love Anthony Edwards, right? We Where's he you in him. your
1: trade? Where's he you in your trade value
0: thing? Oh, he was in the he's in the teens. I mean, I, I wouldn't have traded him, traded him straight up for Kevin Durant. Um, but all I care about if I'm a Minnesota fan is, all right, we struck oil with Anthony Edwards. How do we build something over the course of the decade so that when he hits his peak, a little like Jason Tatum just now at the Celtics, when he's in the 24 to 29 range, how do we have the best possible team with the most possible assets around him? Instead, they looked at it and said, cool, let's make a run now with 21-year-old Anthony Edwards. Like He needs years of reps and playoff games to figure out how to be the guy. And you and I both think he can do it. But it's not going to happen next year. And it's not going to happen the year after. And now Rudy Gobert's 33. And now I'm paying $100 million for him in towns. And every team is spacing us out. I just I just hate it. And then here's the other question I have for you. Well, first of all, Woj, this is the funniest. Woj tweeted how the, the Timberwolves were elated that they hang, hung on to McDaniels. Congratulations. She gave up nine assets. She managed to hang on to one of them. Um, why wasn't Russell in this trade? Why not keep Beverly? put Russell in the trade and get Jordan Clarkson back. Because if I'm trying to win now, why aren't I trying to make a better effort to win now? Why am I trading three guys who are, are, you know, bench guys on a playoff team that I'm just throwing in the trade when I have Russell who nobody likes, who they would trade tomorrow. And I guess my answer is this Russillo: I wonder if there's one more trade here. I wonder if they're going to trade Russell for Kyrie. And that's the last piece of this.
1: That I don't know. My answer to the first one would be I doubt Ainge wanted D'Angelo Russell running around, pissing off De'Angelo Mitchell even more.
0: I mean, at that point, you could just buy him out if you had to. They, they're know. probably going to end up buying out the Beverly contract, right? I want to get rid of Jordan Clarkson because the the piece, we'll talk about Utah after the break. Beverly's like, $13 million and D'Angelo's $32 million, So, But you have Beasley and Beverly together, which adds up to 30 which is what D'Angelo makes. I don't know. I just thought that was weird. Um, But I do wonder, like, all right, if they, well, let's take a break. And then I want you to answer this question. If they get Kyrie for Russell, do you feel differently about this trade at all? That's next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra. Not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game. Right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at mclobalcher.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe Spring. On the way, warmer temperatures, more time outside, more time away from your home. Do yourself a favor. Make sure you're doing what you can to protect your place and get a Simply Safe home security system, comprehensive protection for your whole home, a great way to keep you and your loved ones safe. What if you're going out for Easter for six hours? You don't think the burglars are gonna figure that out? That y'all y'all packed up your car at like eleven thirty on Easter and you drove off somewhere? Yeah. All they need is an hour. I'm not the only one singing Simply Safe's praises. Simply Safe named Best Home Security System in 2024 by U.S. News and World Report, recognized for the best customer service in home security by Newsweek. Protect your home today. I use Simply Safe and love it. My listeners get a special twenty percent off any new Simply Safe system when they sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit SimplySafe dot com slash BS. Don't wait. That is Simplysafe.com slash BS. All right. So just quickly, let's say there's no place for Kyrie to go because if the Nets took Westbrook's contract from the Lakers, everybody on that team should lose their job unless they get two first round picks. And even then, I think it's possible job losing potential Wait, anybody. wait,
1: wait. Wait. Are you serious? Well like you think like trust me, I there's there's just a It's it's hard for me to come up with only five guys I wouldn't want to be in business with in today's NBA, Um, and Westbrook and Kyrie would be first-teamers, but you wouldn't take Westbrook knowing you got to pay somebody, and if they took Joe Harris's contract, to Lakers, and you got two more picks,
0: I wouldn't. Okay, all right. I'm just that I would want to be in a staring contest with Kyrie at that point. First of all, he's 36, and Westbrook's 47. We just saw from John Wall. Houston was like, we can't find a taker for this guy. We're, we're going to buy this guy out for $41.5 million or whatever it was. Now, Westbrook has value. Now, I mean, that report yesterday where the Lakers were like, maybe we can get Seth Curry. It's like, what? No. Yeah. You're that get was, Seth Curry? That was pretty hard. You know, Westbrook, Kyrie trade, two guys that nobody wants. If I'm Minnesota and Russell, to me, is a almost a sunk cost at this point for how bad he was. Um, would you roll the dice with Kyrie and, and no, whatever? So, you wouldn't? No, I mean, I don't like
1: D'Angelo Russell at all, but I just the, it's such a different level with Kyrie. That I mean, the only reason I want to see a Nets Kyrie trade happen is so that I can see Net Blogs, Nets Blogs defend Russell Westbrook. So they could be like, that's already happened a little bit. Yeah, be like, wait, you guys just did this with Kyrie, you did it with Harden, and now you're going to do it with Westbrook. Like, fuck, I feel bad for <laughs> you guys. I actually feel bad, like, I'm not, I'm not even mad about it. Um, I, I just am not inviting Kyrie into anything. Like, I have at least stability right now. May not love D'Angelo Russell's game. May think there's some, you know, weird stuff. I think at times, at least just from the games I watch, you know, we had Chris Finch on, you know, so he was telling me how great D'Angelo Russell was. That's what he's going to do. He's the head coach of these guys. Um, But I think anybody that watched those games felt like there was a little tug of war there at times with like how much do I want it yeah how much do I want to let Edwards I think it was actually worse at times maybe you got a little bit better I just I can't invite Kyrie to the party you know like I can't like even if Russell shows up to my house party I think I know what I'm getting with Kyrie I have no idea what's going to happen and I don't want that in the mix
0: I have a really dumb analogy for you when we went to the U.S. Open we went to dinner House and I and a couple of friends, and we ordered a whole bunch of food and House insisted on ordering a lobster for the table. I think when you get lobster on its own, lobster can play nice. But if you you eat lobster and you're eating a whole bunch of other things, you're eating steak and you're eating salad and there's all these different vegetables. Cheese, potatoes. Yeah, all that stuff. Lobster doesn't play nice in your stomach with the other foods. And Kyrie is the lobster in this scenario. If you're going all in on if you're going all in on Kyrie it's one thing if you're inviting him to the party like you just said it's a little different I guess my thinking is he's just to me seems like a better asset than D'Angelo Russell so at least if you get him now I, I can, just, maybe I can flip him somewhere Okay versus I, where can I send Russell
1: I I know at the very least I have like cuz I know what's going to happen we spent what almost 30 minutes on this or 25 minutes on it uh Timberwolves, two months in, are going to have a great record. They're going to be like the two seed and it's all going to be working out and it's going to be like awesome regular season victory lap early on for the Timberwolves. I know. I already know what's going to happen, which I think we should have said at the beginning, like almost a PSA, even though we both don't like the deal and I feel great about
0: it. I don't even know if that's happening, but go ahead. Okay.
1: The only team that should be exploring this is the Lakers. There's like like, Most desperate of all the teams. Right, but the only team, too, that could say... Like think of all thirty front offices having this conversation. Obviously, you can say twenty nine without Brooklyn, and go like, "What happens if Kyrie shows up here?" Well, if you're a young team that stinks, it's probably worse to have him there than any you know team, team template, right? Yeah, because they'll
0: they'll follow him as he's like a cult leader. Yeah, the young guys I, will be like, "Kyrie's cool. I was hanging out with him last night. He has some great theories."
1: Which is why I think I originally like part of Jalen Brown that I love so much was when he was kind of like, "Hey, man." You're like a few years older than us. (laughs) Like he was getting sick of him, I guess. And when I heard that story, I was like, that's that's fucking awesome. All right. So the Lakers, you already I don't know if we're doing this, but they could talk themselves into this. LeBron's going to think he's got some weird sensei powers with them. They're like, hey, it's one year Kyrie with us with something to prove. And with LeBron, at least
0: we think we think we know. I wouldn't give up a single asset if I'm them. In a vacuum, I'm not even talking to you about If I'm running the Lakers, forget LeBron. If I'm just running the Lakers and I'm like, oh, we're going to bring Kyrie in for Westbrook, but you want me to give up my 27 first-round pick for this when all these guys are going to be gone and I'm still going to be screwed. I have no chance to win the finals, win or lose with this trade. Kyrie comes in. They're still not going to be able to guard anybody. Kyrie sucked the last three Celtic games of that playoff series. He's being discussed like he's, you know, Isaiah Thomas in 1987. And he hasn't been that guy for five years. No, they're so, looking
1: at the averages this year. Like I even was listening to you know some of our favorite NBA radio stuff. And I like all those shows. But as soon as I hear Kyrie shooting percentages and averages, which you pointed out, I think before I'd heard anybody say it, it's like actually playing one game in nine days yeah. is, makes it oh, you, easier. You lit up
0: <laughs> Orlando on nine days rest. Can I give you my least favorite trades of the last 30 years? And yeah. I rank these based on... And I went through, because I had done a list. I was going to do a whole podcast about this, so I just kind of cherry-picked from the list. But I was trying to think, like, trades I instinctively hated the most. And this is in no particular order, and then I'll end with the one I hated the most. The When Toronto finally traded Vince Carter in 2004 for a bunch of crap, and they had to take Alonzo Morning's contract back and all that stuff, I just, I was like, that trade's terrible. Like, it, you can't have to, you can't feel like you have to trade Vince Carter that badly that you actually... Not only made your team worse short term, but you didn't even get cap flexibility, good picks, anything. I hated that trade. T Mac for Steve Francis, Coutinho, Moby, and Kelvin Cato was just an insane trade. Like, can you think of Orlando knowing what we know now in 2022, and T macs on the block? What would it that have been? That would have been more than the Gobert trade, right? That would have been like five firsts and two pick swaps, you know. But everybody was a moron in the mid 2000s. Your guy Barkley, that trade was reprehensible the moment it happened. To Phoenix? Yeah. Hornacek, Tim Perry. I like Tim Perry a little Andrew bit. Andrew No, that trade was like, wow, you just <laughs> traded one of the best five guys. <laughs> you traded one of the best <laughs> six guys in the league. You got nothing back. What are you doing? Um, two first for Eddie Curry was iconically bad immediately. Remember that? Yeah.
1: Cause then they also had to pay Eddie Curry, too. Yeah. And it was that, like, oh, and re-
0: we're paying him $60 million. And
1: Apparently, the Eddie Curry thing with the Knicks was, well, nobody wants to do this deal, and we don't want to do the deal until we get this heart test thing done. And Isaiah was like, well, we don't need you to take any heart tests. Right.
0: No, we're <laughs> fine. We'll look the other way. Uh, this is a personal one for me and House, but when Washington traded the fifth pick in the 09 draft for Randy Foy and Mike Miller, I actually thought House was going to just leave Just leave the country. He was so upset. I was upset for him. It was the draft with Curry and Rubio. And it was a really good draft. And it was just insane where Washington's going. We're so close. These are the last two pieces. Mike Mike Miller and Randy Foy, and we're good. Now it's time to compete for a title. That was insane. Uh, The second Chris Paul trade, which I guess was the best they could do, but just felt like, man, Eric Gordon who I really like, Eric Gordon's got to be awesome because Chris Paul had somehow become undervalued. And then my number one, I hated this trade. It still makes me mad. I can't believe it happened. 1996, Dallas trades Jason Kidd for Sam Cassell, Michael Finley, and AC Green. And it was because he wasn't getting along with... um Jim Clemens, and the, they were running the fucking triangle with him. And it, it still was infuriating to me that they didn't understand what they had with Chase the Kid and they just made like the classic three quarters for a dollar trade. He was like 22 years old. Um, in all of those cases, I was instantly revulsed by the trade, if that's even a word. And I felt the same way about the Gobert trade. My first one is,
1: is the one I... You know, it was just, I remember being in a nursing home, visiting my grandmother and I was uh, 10 and it was 86 and it was the Moses Malone, the Sixers could have oh, had Moses Oh, that's a Malone. great one. Yeah. It was, you know, and it's, it's funny those things that you remember so clearly. Like I remember, I don't know that it was a great thing health wise to be 10 years old and just walking around the nursing home, lighting up everybody, but that's what I would do. I would just get up and relight everybody, which mm. I think is probably frowned upon now. Uh, being 10 and just sitting in a nursing home and then reading reader's digest because you're so fucking bored yeah Uh, but we were watching the news on a little tv set and remember you gotta remember like my first thing was loving those sixers teams because it was dr j and it was moses and then this charles Barkley guy comes along all right so you know i'm not i know this is always weird everybody hears this and can't understand why i'm from new england but like that was you know when you're impressionable you're a little kid that's what i love most of anything fucking love moses malone And I'm like, wait, the Sixers got the first pick with this team and they could have Moses, Brad Doherty, and Charles Barkley. And it's like, no, 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 no. Not only are we going to trade Moses Malone for Jeff Ruland and Cliff Robinson, the former Harlem Globetrotter, not Uncle Cliffy, they traded the number one pick, the rights to Brad Doherty, for Roy Hinson, who played 100 games, 100 games for the Sixers. That's it. It's the
0: most brutal combo trade in the history of the league, I think.
1: It doesn't get nearly enough credit as one of the worst trades in American sports history. Now, I did talk to somebody who was involved in it later on and they said, you know, there were some things that we needed to do to kind of shuffle around that you guys didn't know about. I'm like, well, yeah, at 10. I definitely didn't know about any of those things. Um, but <laughs> right. like, it's kind of like, OK, so that was your only option. Like, think about that. Think about trading. How about them- just
0: take Brad Doherty? He was sitting right there. You could just drafted him first.
1: Yeah. And they were like, you know, he had some back issues. You're like, well, what was Roy Hinson's what were his pluses <laughs> at that point?
0: Right. <laughs> Nista. Nice I forgot to mention the Pau Gasol trade, which almost uh, that, goes without saying, but that trade almost felt like it was the league was fixed with that.
1: Well, that was the other one that I always want to point to because it's funny, retroactively, that one feels like it's it's not as bad because of what Gasol, happened with Mark. Mark. Yeah. But what you have to remember is I've never heard of a trade, at least in all my years of talking to teams. Again, it's not like I'm some reporter, but whatever. I've never heard more teams pissed off after a trade in my entire life of talking to people in the league. It was three weeks before the deadline. Nobody knew he was available. Nobody knew he was available. That's what people were so mad about. And everybody kind of knew. They're like, oh, this is a tough one to figure out. But they go, you know, if you're going to do this shit, take some phone calls. Right. Like, figure out what the market is. Pretend this isn't already
0: wrapped up to L.A. It's terrible. I've never had teams more upset than that one. From a Utah standpoint with this Gobert trade, Danny did this in Boston. All the tea leaves were pointed to this. We were talking about the Utah blow-it-up potential on this podcast, on your podcast, on Ringer NBA. Um, the Royce O'Neal warning shot for a first-round pick. By the way, how do you give up a first-round pick for Royce O'Neal? Didn't they watch the playoffs? He couldn't guard anybody.
1: <laughs> I actually think he's like the only guy that can potentially guard he people. He couldn't guard anyone
0: so. on Memphis, though. Um, I just wouldn't have given up a first-form. Uh, so now they do this trade for Gobert, and now they're all in on Wembenyama. Add them to the list with San Antonio, OKC, Charlotte might be in there. We'll talk about Charlotte a little bit. Um, and now they're saying, no, no, we're probably going to keep Mitchell. I just don't believe them. I don't believe them. I don't know how you do this trade and then don't trade Mitchell. I think Mitchell has to be traded this summer. You have to. Like, this if you're so so do you're this, saying, fucking do it. Hmm. Because um... what's the point? You could have a great tank season next year and the year after. Mitchell's not going to be happy there now. He was barely happy there anyway. Now they just traded Gobert for three bench players. They have a bunch of picks that they're probably not going to do anything with. So unless this is like a Portland situation where it's a combination reboot, but then you're also using the assets to make the team competitive again. I don't think Danny's going to do that. You and I watched him in Boston forever. Danny's like, I want to win the title. I can't win the title. I'm blowing it up until I get the pieces to win the title. I thought Mitchell took a huge step back the last two years, and I think he has more value than what I think his value is, and I think they're going to trade him.
1: I I would agree with you on the, like, hey, do you think Mitchell stays there long term? No. I think at some point he's traded. But he'd be 26 in September. He's under contract to the team for three more years with a player option on the fourth. Um, there's no hurry to do this. So if Ainge were to be overwhelmed, then yeah, I think he would do it. But if there's anything I've ever learned about Ainge, is that his patience, he just, it seems like he has more patience than everybody else he's on the phone with. So I don't know that it's a, you know, I I would be surprised if there was a, we have to do this before the season starts because I don't think he operates that way ever.
0: There's only one trade that I think would be sitting here now for them. And it involves a Godfather Miami trade that would have Hero, Duncan Robinson's contract. You could get Gabe Vincent in there and that you're saving and just a shitload of picks and swaps. And you re-sign Harrow and you just start. I don't know if that's enough because I don't trust the Miami picks because that's out of all the teams when we talk about grab the picks, you don't know what's going to happen down the road. Miami has managed to be pretty competitive now for 30 years and we know stars want to play there and I don't see a scenario, even if they bottom out, it would be one year and they would quickly reboot it. The Knicks with Barrett and a bunch of picks, I just don't think the Knicks are going to do it. I think the Knicks really feel like Brunson is going to rejuvenate Randall. I think they want to see what they have with Brunson and Randall, and uh, and RJ Barrett. You know, they Hartenstein. I really like that signing. They brought Robinson back. If Fournier is any good, that team actually might be decent. New Orleans has McCollum and picks. I don't think they're going to do anything like that. Sacramento has, I guess, De'Aaron Fox and Picks. I don't see them doing anything. And then Philly would be the wild card for me with Maxie and Tobias Harris and Picks. But the Mitchell market, as I went through all the teams, there just weren't a lot of teams that made sense for him for what the cost would be. So you might be right. Maybe they don't get through the summer. Maybe they get through the summer. Maybe this is down the road. But I just don't think he stays there. And I, and we know the NBA moves fast. I would I would bet on it happening this summer versus down the road. But I think he's going either way. You might be
1: right. I, I, and I don't think he's going to be there long term unless the Jazz think that he's the guy to build around. What have we seen that makes, would make them think that two years ago, we're saying this is absolutely the guy you build around. Yeah. And he's still pretty young. And I'm with you. Some of the things are alarming. I've always kind of said, even though I like him, there's a little Westbrook lightish in there. Yep. Where it's like, no, I'm just going to do this on my own and kind of make bad decisions. And like, you know, they're not that far removed from the shootout with, with Denver. Like, those were those were some insane, insane early numbers for him in the playoffs as a young guy, beating Paul George and, and Russell Westbrook, you know? It's I just like, think how the hell is he doing
0: this? There's way more talent in the league, and that keeps happening every year, and I just think it's a little less special to have a high-volume scoring two-guard who's not like an exceptional two-way player as your best guy. I don't know where that takes you in 2022. The other thing with him from a salary standpoint, 30.3, 32.6, 34.8, 37.1. So that makes this stuff hard too, because you, if you're getting like a young asset back for him, you still need to get the other contracts to match it up. So maybe it's something that couldn't happen until February. But, you know, I know he didn't love Gobert. That was reported a lot. But I just can't imagine he's psyched about, cool, I'm in Utah. And we're going to be a lottery team now, because they're going to be a lottery team. So if you're Utah, you're doing this correctly. You're trying to trade Mitchell now. You're trying to see what you can get for Beverly, right? You want to send him to some sort of playoff team. Beasley, I think, might have a modicum of value, potentially. Like, would the Celtics take him in their trade exception? No. But, you know, maybe you could add Beverly and Beasley together to take something else. Um, it just, this to me seems like a blow-it-up team. I think we're in the process of the blow-it-up. The Royce O'Neill trade is another example of, like, that was their one good wing defender. He's gone. Ingles is gone. Gobert's gone. So what is this team? It's Mitchell and Clarkson and a bunch of weird Minnesota pieces. And
1: I don't even know who else. I'm not saying they're awesome. I'm just saying I don't know that there's a mandate to make sure they don't open the season or open the season without Donovan Mitchell. Okay. Because of his. Can we stay on the wind horse thing for just a couple minutes? Yeah. Because that's one of the funniest things ever. And for people that, that don't know him, he's a terrific guy. You know, you see him at the airport. Couldn't be nicer. Stops. BS's with you a little bit. We'll ask you questions about yourself. Sincere guy, good stock. And he's been around a long time. And it was so funny that he just knew he had the go bear trade, but he couldn't, he couldn't go with it, right? He he just couldn't. And so he's on first take. And it definitely sucked for everybody else who's on first take because it's not the regulars. Yeah. Um and he could have been next to like three crash test dummies. And it and it wouldn't matter because like he was just going to do this thing. And it was like, all right, let me see if I can pivot in. And It sucked for everybody else on the show because they're like, what is he talking about? So they're trying to
0: guess. And they didn't want to interrupt him, which they did a nice job of not interrupting him. They kind of let him cook.
1: Yeah, because I wonder if it's a normal staff first take. There's no way you're getting two minutes of airspace on that show in a normal setting if Stephen A's there. Like Stephen A's not going to let you. know what
0: I'm guessing he said beforehand, I have this Utah thing. Just let me cook on this. Just let me go and you'll know when I'm
1: done. Right. And I don't think that happens if it's normally staff. It's not. He's getting interrupted the whole time. And so that was the beauty of it, which is also another weird thing with first take. Like, I know, like, as guys that work around the clock, like you kind of can't, if you're an NBA person, you can't take this week off. Like, the last time I did it, I think, it was in 2009. <laughs> you're doing radio every single day. The only yeah. break you have is a football basketball guy. is kind of July and August. But you go, you know what? You can't, you can't, like, this is an insane week. That show was built for this week. So Windhorse has this, like, perfect storm of opportunity because he's like, hey, do you guys mind? We're all just filling in here. Like it yeah. just go. And it was just like, how do I turn the Royce O'Neill thing into me being right about a go bear trade that I can't mention the particulars of today? It was fucking hilarious,
0: and I was glad he got his day. He also had his day with the with the Harden Simmons trade in February. I mean, he was just on that island for five, six days, and it was the red right. island. I'm with you. Windhorse is a good guy. I was I was seriously happy for him. So last Utah question, then we'll take a break. Is Boston pissed about Danny, you think? You're on this more than I am, so why don't you go? His buddy Ryan Smith buys the Jazz December, I think, twenty twenty. Celtics get knocked out in April. And at that point we were wondering like, could that be it for Danny? Could the Celtics fire him? Could he leave? Could he retire? There was whispers he might be it, it, it might be headed for something. You were talking to me about that all year long
1: by the way. So that, right. I think it's fair to share. Yeah, that that's would fair. be like, hey, are you hearing anything or what's going on? This yeah, is kind I felt of like rumblings. something was up. Right. All right.
0: So he retires. Which you were right about, by the way. If he retires, and if you go back and you read the pieces, it's a lot of my heart attack really put the, really changed my perspective on things. Um, I want to spend more time with my family. I'm looking for a new chapter in my life. He He leaves. But his buddy had bought the Jazz six months before, and everyone's joke was he's going to go work for that guy.
1: Joke? I don't think it was a joke. I thought it was the worst-kept
0: secret for two yeah, years. So i heard like, it forever, uh, oh, like yeah, before he like, left oh, Boston. Cool. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, all right, cool. He'll end up doing something with Utah. Now he goes to Utah, like, I don't know, six, seven months later. He's at the finals in game six, sitting in the Wick uh, Pagliuca seats because they have like 12 seats next to the bench. He had a Celtics and- hat on. Yeah. Three rows behind is where my dad sits. And I went to, I don't know, I went to 11 playoff games. About 49 years. He kept moving them up. Uh, I went to a lot of those Celtic games. And the thing that really jumped out was how important Will Hardy was. If you went to one game, you're like, wow, Will Hardy. This is like having Tibbs in 08. This guy, he's complete respect, command of the bench. He's the guy Ime leans on over and over again. And this is what I'd heard all season. Um, from behind the scenes, how fucking awesome Will Hardy was. And I think the Celtics were thinking, man, it would be amazing if we could get through this whole coaching binge season without somebody stealing Will Hardy for us. Danny's sitting right there, right next to where Ime stands, watching all of this, and two weeks later hires him. Also, his son works for the Celtics, Austin. So, I don't know, man. I th- I think they're playing nice publicly, but I this is like kind of a crazy situation because they, they could have asked for compensation from Utah technically. Danny was under contract. Um, he leaves and then he takes their number one assistant. I just thought it was funny. All right,
1: you might be right. And I could totally understand ownership and, you know, this is all a competitive world here. It's a very small world and and these guys get upset about a lot of things. And losing Will Hardy is is a blow because it's later in the process. But it's also kind of the way business is done when it's like all of a sudden you get this insane opportunity to now be the coach. I'm not blaming Will Hardy. You were always going to take the head coaching job. But let's back up a little bit because... As you were sharing with me and asking me what I had heard about like Ainge, because Ainge's approval rating, not only in the city, but certainly nationally, which has always been sort of a joke, was pretty low. It was like, you know, I don't know. And then you're going, would they ever fire Ainge? And I'm thinking, I don't know that that group could ever fire a member of the 86 Celtics. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Or the sense. guy
0: who put together the OA team or the guy right. who made the right. Tatum trade. Yeah, Right. But then when you find
1: out that Brad's just sort of burned out because the team's just tuned him out, you know, and that's, yeah. a, that's a huge plus to Ime to kind of turn that thing around because it felt like, oh, wow. Like, remember the beginning of the year? You're like, man, maybe Brad Stevens is even better than we thought he is. Like, this team's the exact same thing again. And then Ime gets to the NBA Finals, so credit to him. But once Brad, it sounds like, yeah, I'm not sure I want to do this anymore because I don't think anybody's listening to me. Um, And I think there's a family part of it with Brad Stevens, too. You know, like, clearly, Brad didn't love coaching the team if he decided, let me just go up to the front office. So now all of a sudden it's like, hey, we don't really have to address the age thing even though we're a little frustrated and maybe he's losing his fastball. So if Danny says, well, wait, if Brad goes up, I step out, but my son Austin gets to keep the gig and then the front office, like this group I've worked with is sort of saved and there's not some massive overhaul, whether it was the Presti rumors or a Landry Fields rumor, you know, all these other rumors Then it kind of felt like everybody got what they wanted. Right. So, so I don't know that even though I can understand being upset, if you go back and play out the entire timeline, and I'm sure there's some parts on it that I'm not fully correct on, uh, things, things kind of, it kind of all worked out. And so, uh, by now, the way, I,
0: I'm not reporting that they're upset. Oh, okay. I'm well, just I'd, saying, I'm saying there's one of two ways to take this. Either they're going to get rid of him anyway, and this is how it played out, or, This went from now I'm just going to help my guy out to now he's running a competitor, the Utah Jazz, and now they're going to have all these picks. And if I was running the Celtics, I'd be like, man, maybe we should have gotten like something for Ange. Like Quinn Snyder left the Jazz, right? If Quinn Snyder just became the Lakers coach tomorrow and they fired Darvin Ham, the Jazz would be like, we want something. You left. You worked for us. You left. That you. You know they're going to get some sort of thing back. Anyway, I just thought it was interesting. Too quick.
1: I think it is interesting. And another thing, like when Quinn Snyder's being offered extension, he's saying no, then we should be able to go back and play that timeline out too, going, okay, wait a minute. What are they this telling is, him? What are they telling him? Like yeah, they want to pay him. Up. You want to stay? And I had heard that Quinn was in potentially with the Lakers or it could be the Spurs. I'd heard that he was going to bounce, but then it's like, why was he going to bounce? And it's like, is it, is it an age thing or is it a direction thing? And I, I don't know. Like a lot of the things make sense retroactively. Final thought on the age piece of this, at least for me, I find it comical now that he's awesome again as a GM, and I don't know if it's a Boston thing, but the amount of people... <laughs> Change and I'm not scenery. Talk, I'm not talking about Twitter. I'm talking about other respected NBA people that think Ainge is a fucking bum as an executive when it's just so not true. You want to tell me he got mad about some of the picks in the 20s? Yeah. He had a bad stretch there, but then you also look at Rob Williams you look at Pritchard you look at Grant. And it's like, oh, wait, so he's got some hits later on. He is terrific at the top of the draft he gets the big stuff right he wins every trade but it was just weird to go wait the same social media presence where Ainge was a fucking idiot apparently for years like his, his approval has just rating. made another fucking incredible trade right so now it's like man Danny Ainge You're well, like, that's what why we? I wanted
0: to talk about it I think this is important he goes to Utah and he makes a trade that I think for Minnesota is one of the worst trades the last 30 years we're going to take a break This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? This is something I've thought about a lot over the last 25 years. Sometimes little kids enter your life. Sometimes you're just searching for that extra hour. Sometimes it feels like all of a sudden it's three o'clock, four o'clock, and it's like, where'd the day go? I barely did anything. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you so that you can make it a priority and therapy can help you figure that out. A therapist can guide you through the process of defining your values and understanding your priorities so you know what things you can spend your time on that will really fulfill you. Otherwise, you'll always be wishing for more time. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month, 10%. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Bill Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time the stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax, knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. We left the break Talk about the Celtics. Let's talk about them quickly. They get Brogdon, they get Gallinari. They don't touch their top seven. When I heard about the Brogdon trade, Woj did a tweet. He said, the Celtics have acquired Malcolm Brogdon. And my brain immediately went to either Grant Williams is in the trade or Derek White's in the trade. And I was trying to figure out which one I felt better about. Because it was either Grant Williams and Tice and contracts and a pick, or maybe no pick. or Maybe it was just white and Tice for Brogdon. I didn't know. Then the trade came out and it was basically like we traded a quarter and some pennies and a dime and we got Malcolm Brogdon. None of the top seven are in there. It's just a 2023 first. And Neesmith, who I still like, I still, I'm going to keep my Neesmith stock. I talked to my broker. I'm not selling my Neesmith stock. Uh, I like this fit for him in Indiana. But the Celts, Where's he going to play? These, who, what
1: minutes whose minutes is he getting?
0: I'm just I'm not selling my stock yet. I want right. to see how it plays out. Um, couple things here. One is they have the best lineup flexibility way better than last year. I mean, they have the ability to put five shooters out, they have the ability to go small ball, they have some insurance in case White goes sideways in a playoff series. Um, somebody who could potentially play crunch time, a downhill point guard. We'll talk about Brogdon in a second, but just an asset. And then the Gallinari piece just the backup wing they didn't have last year where you have Tatum and Brown playing the entire second half in game five because there's no wing they can even put out there. Gallinari's been in some big games. He's a classic Italian, doesn't give a shit a guy. So two really helpful pieces. Was that anti-Italian?
1: The, what do you mean? Did you just call him classic Italian, doesn't give a shit guy?
0: He's He's got a little fire in him. I'm half oh, Italian. Okay. I'm a lot of Italian. Yeah. Right. Um, it's
1: okay if you say <laughs>
0: Worst case scenario. Cause the thing is like, well, Brogdon's had trouble staying healthy. It's like, cool, okay. At least he's a big <laughs> at least he's a big contract, right? And the thing I like about this trade is like the worst case scenario is Brogdon battles injuries for the next two years. And it's like, oh man, you know, when he's out there, he's great, but but he's still this big cap figure. He's gonna be in the, you know, he's like 20, 21 million. And what I like about this trade for the Celtics is these big contracts that either it works out with this top nine or they have the ability to make these two-for-ones, three-for-ones, four-for-twos that they just didn't have a couple years ago. White's at 17, Rob's at 12, Smart's, I think, at 17, um, Brogdon's at 20. They're just, they have trade malleability, Rosillo. So I just thought this was a home run for them.
1: Makes sense. Owners deserve credit because taking on this kind of tax bill. Um, but when I first saw it, I went, "Yeah, that makes sense. I'm shocked how many people think this is just an absolute landslide robbery. It's I, not. I just, he hasn't been not. healthy. He enough. doesn't play. He doesn't play. He played. <laughs> he played 75 games as a rookie. Since then, 64, 54, 56, and 36 games last season. Well, but uh, he they had,
0: did. I think they could have brought him back last year. I think they were trying to lose. You know, get a better pick. That's okay. my, my take. All right.
1: Fine. Cool. All right. So
0: you're going to pay twenty
1: two million and then twenty two point six million the next two years for that. So you're taking on not only forty five million for a guy that doesn't have a very good track record, you are factoring the tax part of this too. And I know no one ever cares about the tax thing, but like they deserve credit for the ownership saying, No, we're cool with this. All right. Um the other part of it, like going back to some of the disagreements we've had about Brogdon, the reason he went in the second round is he is one of the all time red flag medical guys coming out of the draft. And the reason Milwaukee, because they were also frustrated with him on some of the medical stuff, the reason Milwaukee didn't want to match and keep him is because they're like, go ahead, go ahead and do it. Brogdon's been available for a long time. It reminds me a little of the Jeremy Grant trade. There are other trades where this happens where you go, oh, that's all you could get for him. Like there's always this collection of like seven names and we probably go seven for seven being like, hey, who's been available the longest? Miles Turner's been available.
0: Certain price range, right? 18 to 22 million bucks and there's some sort of red flag.
1: Yeah, right. And so then it's like, the Jeremy Grant trade goes down, you're like, oh, that's the best you could do. You're like, well, if he's kind of been available this long, I I defer to the idea that that front officers don't wake up going, hey, do you want to just fucking trade somebody today? (laughs) That's why we're so retroactively still, uh, I, you know, retroactively still mad about the Pau Gasol trade. Yeah. So, Teams don't do that. They they figure out the market for their players. So when this deal went down, I was kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. He's been available for a long time. He's got a nasty injury history. He's a nice player when he plays. He's, he's probably better as a, as a bigger defender than he is as a smaller defender. He shoots the hell out of the basketball. And I like the optionality of this. From a basketball standpoint, if he's healthy, it's an absolute no-brainer, even when you factor in everything else you gave up. But I heard it felt a little bit like, how dumb are the Pacers when I think the Pacers kind of went like, wait, we get a flyer on the smith thing, a rec- rec- uh, reclamating that, we get the Pick. first, we get the salary relief, you know, it entices a serviceable rotation big. I, I, don't, I don't think this is the what the hell were they thinking trade that I felt like so many people described it as.
0: Well, and they also needed to throw their hat in the ring a little bit for the French guy next year. Brogdon's, they're not making the playoffs with the team they have. I... The thing I liked about it the most for the Celtics, other than having another big contract that I think, you know, and more depth, because. Yeah, no doubt. No. Right. Look, you're right. They lost, they lost the title because Steph Curry is great, because Wiggins went to another level, and because they didn't have enough depth. They ultimately could only play seven guys, and their entire bench, as that series went along, cratered, and they didn't have enough depth. Tatum was super tired. And just didn't look like himself after four playoff rounds. And I think they were looking at it like regular season. We have to take pressure off these guys. So now they go nine deep. The other thing that I really like about Brogdon is he was a really good bench guy. And I think that's a skill that you and I have talked about for the last four or five years. Some guys are just bad coming off the bench, right? Some guys don't get it. They, they want to either play 33 minutes or if you're playing him 15 and it's just two seven-minute stints. Some guys just have trouble with that. He has proven with with his time with the Bucs that he was good as a bench guy. That he could either play whatever minutes you're giving him or occasionally be a heat check downhill guy. He had a game, Rosillo, when they had... it was I think it was in Boston when he was like 15 for 15 from the free throw line and he just completely torpedoed them. They couldn't, they couldn't stop him.
1: No, and, he's awesome. He's awesome at that stuff. Like, he goes slow. That's why it was kind of a tough evaluation. On top of the medicals, you're like, is he is he slow? Yeah, he kind of is. Why does he get to the hoop every time then? He just does. He get, he gets wherever he wants to go. The he's a good numbers, defender. The career, he's 46, 38, and 88%. He was 19, 6, and 5 last year. Granted, 36 games, so a little fresher. On catch and, uh, catch, catch and shoot threes, he's 42%, which actually kind of drops off a little bit off the dribble. So that means, hey, can you play off? If he is willing to accept, hey, play off, be a third guard in whatever it is we're doing. Maybe you're even closing some games. Like, I'd rather have the options and worrying about what the last five are right now at this point. There's a basketball version of a healthy Brogdon where this is a no-brainer. But what I'm telling you is that the the market told you this might have been the best they would be able to get. I agree Because with I've heard them available
0: now for over a year. There's more variance with the Celtics now. The depth is, like, massive, especially for the regular season. But the variance thing is really fun for me because I just thought this team got stale. Um, with lineups, there was only so many kind of looks they could give you. And now it's like, they could play Brogdon, Tatum, Brown, Gallinari, and Horford. Just throw them all out there together. It's like, here are five shooters who are just really good at shooting the basketball. Brogdon and Gallinari are fantastic free throw shooters. I think they're like two of the best, you know, 30 free throw shooters who also make threes probably in the history of the league. Um, They have the ability to close games down with a bunch of guys who... I just feel like I trust a little bit more than some of the guys that were out there last year from a free throw standpoint. And then I they, the heat check piece of this can't be overstated. They didn't have that one guy or that two guy who's just like, oh, Tatum didn't have it tonight, but so-and-so came off the bench and hit seven threes or so-and-so came off the bench. He had that third quarter where he had 12 points. That really helped us. They didn't have anybody like that. And it was really like, you know, if Grant doesn't hit those threes in game seven against the Bucs, they're home in round two anyway. If Middleton plays that series, they're probably home. So I felt like they had to get better. I think they did get better. And ironically, they still have one more move. Like they need Rob Williams insurance. They need one more big guy. They have that trade exception, which is going to expire soon. My guess is they're not going to use it. But in general, I just think they're uh, they're way better off. And they got better. There's no question. So did Milwaukee. If if Ingalls can come back by midseason with the guys that they were able to keep and Middleton healthy, that team's going to be really good, and I, I think I think it's Boston, Milwaukee, one, two, two, one. However you want to have the order, and then I think in the East, I, I think it's a drop to the rest of the teams.
1: Yeah, I really kind of like what Philly's done here. I, I like that they put some shooting and some toughness around guys that are kind of multi-positional um, with what they already have, and it feels like they haven't given up a lot to do all of those things. So I know Philly with Harden and the Embiid history there, uh, but I. You know, I, I don't know that Philly's that far off from them, even if that sounds weird. Considering I'm not always the biggest Harden guy, but yeah, if I were to say, do you, you know, if you ask me, do you like Boston? Do you do you think they're better now? It's yes, I like them. Yes, I think they're better. I'm a little worried. Like if you were thinking about, was well, there a way to do TJ Warren instead of Danilo? You can't really do that because now you're bringing the two Pacers players that are never healthy to you, and then you're adding it to your tax bill, which is kind of a tough thing. So with Danilo, you're feeling like, you know, this guy shoots the hell out of the ball. The last few seasons from three, 43, 41, 41, 38%. If you put a tracker on him, they might think it's broken. He doesn't move. It's the weirdest thing ever. Like he's still efficient. He still finds a way to give you some spacing. He doesn't move. You don't believe me, Kevin Herter. Who no longer with the Hawks because they just want to give him the keys of the franchise uh, in Sacramento. But we were laughing about it. Like every time I'd watch it, I'd be like, does he suck? And they're like, no, it went in again. He just doesn't sweat. He doesn't dribble. Like it's, it's crazy. So I think there's still concern, but when you're good and you're already capped out and your options are limited and to not really give up that much in assets, uh, there's a best case version of this that makes them a much deeper, um, much more versatile basketball team. So I like the deals. I just don't think the Brogdon thing is this this one-sided slam dunk that I felt like so many people were making it out to be.
0: Fair. I really like him. As for what he's going to be on this team.
1: And what you gave up? Perfect. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. tax bill. You know,
0: nobody cares. Golden State lost Peyton and they lost Porter. They kept Looney and they signed Dante DiVincenzo. I thought Peyton was incredibly important for them. And I I thought if you're going to make reasons why the Warriors beat the Celtics in the finals, he has to be in the top four for what he gave them as he started to play more and more minutes, what he did for them defensively, how how smartly and efficiently he played with Steph. Now he just fit in that infrastructure. I thought that was a big loss for them. I don't know if DiVincenzo, um, you know, offensively might be more fun, but man, I really valued what Peyton did. So I, I thought that was a notable loss.
1: It is. But when you bring in DiVincenzo for a cheaper price and you look at DiVincenzo's overall catch and shoot stuff, like when you looked at him going, man, this guy's fucking awesome with Milwaukee and considering how open he's going to be in some of those Warriors lineups. Yeah, I think that's where the Warriors separate themselves. Whatever tier you think, how many teams are in that top tier of the way they run their business? Certainly Golden State's there. Maybe they're at the top. But that to me is like a classic Bob Myers. Like, man, Peyton's really nice and he was important. But dude, that's an insane contract.
0: Yeah, and, I agree. Well, it's very similar to Posey in 2008, which my dad still mentions to me probably once a month.
1: But it's a good example of it because you go, it was too yeah, much you money." you got to take that. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was too much money and he was really important for what they did, but there was a price of the importance. And for the Warriors, paying Peyton, I mean, I don't think they could have matched the nine, but even paying him like six and a half with the luxury tax they have. So he's like a $70 million guy. Uh, but, you know, I thought he was one of the reasons they won the title. So that's a tough one to replace. Um, I had the Durant thing I guess we got to talk about if you had to bet on an outcome what is it bet yeah Man, this summer we're at the end of the summer it's Labor Day weekend where is Kevin Durant what team he's on because my bet would uh, be Brooklyn
1: I want more from you on why that is before I answer give me give me your full Durant thing just Take your shirt off. Let's go.
0: I don't love any of the trades that are sitting there. Doesn't seem like they love eight now. So I think the eight market cooled in a really unusual, surprising way to me. Detroit basically was like, we're out. Indiana just seems like they're going to be more geared toward maybe going for the French guy.
1: Maybe, but they still would have a lot of work to do to be a tanking team because you got Halliburton, you got Matherin in there, you know, Duarte. the, Duarte's a I get it, but nice somebody's got
0: to be bad in the East, right? There's going to, somebody yeah. has to be a bottom four team and Detroit got better. You go through all the teams, it's like, who are going to be the worst four teams? It's really hard to figure out. Charlotte's the only one that I would be like, that team will definitely be one of the worst four teams. But um, I think for Indiana, like, all right, so could they sign Aiton and do some sort of try and, sign and trade where Turner goes back to Phoenix? Like, sure. Anyway, the Phoenix thing, that seems like that's cool. Miami, the fact that they can't trade Bam. When did you know about that design? I feel like the biggest idiot in the world. When did you know about the designated franchise player, uh, rookie max guys? Two of them can't be on the same team.
1: That yeah, role? I honestly, I'll tell you, I've, I've forgotten at times. I knew I knew about it, but I've also yeah, forgotten I think I. So I'm not about giving myself. So, but honestly, man, like you know, for those of us that do this every week. And the amount of CBA stuff that you can kind of get lost in where you're like, oh, wait, if you're hard capped when you can't do this or, oh, the reason the sign and trades were set up was some way to get power back away from all the players just demanding sign and trades. So once you do that, they want to put in other limitations so that people weren't in such a hurry to do it. Like it is. I mean, unless you're one of the like national cap guys doing it
0: all the time. Mark's is it, great at it. He he knows. It's
1: it's not. I mean, it's kind of like I used to try to memorize all of it. Like, hey, bird writes early bird. and What does it mean with that and all this different shit? And it's like, I don't know, man. Well, sometimes
0: it's easy to forget who got the designated rookie max too. You almost need like a a list on your office. But Miami can't trade BAM unless Simmons was also in the trade. Exactly. Yeah. Toronto, which has become kind of the hot Durant team du jour. But I'm sorry, I'm just not trading Barnes in a Durant trade. Okay, think about what you just said, because I knew you were going to say this. I haven't heard you talk about this
1: already, because the Toronto thing, I got a call this weekend saying, don't sleep on Toronto. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. It's four days that don't
0: sleep on Toronto.
1: And then it's now publicly, wake up, Toronto's in this thing. You wouldn't trade Scottie Barnes for Kevin Durant.
0: No, I would, but that can't be the trade. Well, I mean, It really has to be, the question for me is, would you trade Barnes and Siakam for Durant? Because that would have to be the trade and I have to throw picks into that. And I just don't, I am I winning the title if I do that trade? If I'm Toronto, here's my team. I've got KD, I have Fred Van Vliet, I have Gary Trent, I have Ananobi, Chris Boucher. Am I winning Precious. the title? Precious. Am I a title team after that? Is that like a crazy different situation than he was in in Brooklyn when he got swept? more defense, probably not as much offense. I don't know, man. If it's Barnes and Siakam, no. If you're saying I could get him for Barnes and Ananobi and some picks and I could keep Siakam, I'd see Siakam as third-team All-NBA. I thought he was last four months of last season, I thought he's one of the best 20 guys in the league easily. But I had him in the, as one of the best 15. So if I'm giving up Barnes and Siakam, I better know I can win the title and I just or, or make the finals and I just don't feel like I, I, I Definitely know that with that trade. If I'm Toronto,
1: I know you voted him. You voted him over Butler. Then third-team all NBA. But
0: well, Butler didn't play enough games. He plays 56 games a year.
1: Yeah, I, I went Butler, but but that's fine. I, it was close. I'm not it against it. It was very close. But haven't we kind of landed at times with Siakam, and he was terrific close to close the year out. But you just you just feel like there's still this sort of like level that. Well, so you would go Siakam, that-
0: Siakam, Barnes two firsts and two pick swaps for Durant, Well, I don't... You would first do of all, after
1: four for Gobert, I don't know what the hell I'm supposed That's to do That's the other thing.
0: I think the Gobert thing completely fucked up the Durant trade value piece, which is why I think he stays.
1: All right. There's another thing, too, depending on which teams you ask, that'll say, like, hey, I'm not in a hurry for Durant anymore. You know what I mean? He does get hurt all the time. And I don't know if, if Masai, who's terrific, would be motivated by the Kawhi thing, but that was the greatest rental... Since John Candy. Get it? Mm. And I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know if they're emboldened to think like, hey, we'll just do it again with Durant. Like, do you know what Durant is willing to sign off on? Like, we could talk about, well, he's under contract for four years, so he has no leverage. Bullshit. Have we not learned anything in the last couple of years? Like, I'm not trading for Durant, even with four years of supposed control, because I don't have any control. And so
0: is Durant going to want to go to Toronto? Does that seem like a Durant thing? Well, then you have this this other piece. You have Joe Tsai, the Nets owner, who's, I I don't know what the list of most powerful billionaires are, but he's, at some point, he's going to be mentioned if you're doing the, the trade value for most powerful billionaires. Um, I think he was, there's been some stuff that's come out of this. I think he's embarrassed and confused by how the last couple of years went and is now in fuck you mode. And I don't think this is somebody that's going to be pushed around because Kyrie's like, I've opted in now, trade me to the Lakers. Jo- Josiah already, he already kowtowed to these guys for a couple of years here. The Harden trade, um, then getting Atkinson. rid of Harden, bringing Simmons back, getting rid of the coach, paying DeAndre Jordan what they did. Like he kind of, you know, kind of rolled over for these guys for a few years. And in the rich guy circles, I'm sure there are people who are like, hey, Joe, what's going on with the Nets? What are you doing, buddy? Why are you letting those guys run the team? You're Josiah. You know, he's got, It's like, you're Joe fucking sigh. You let these guys do this to you. And Imagine. I, just, I just think he's going to stare these guys down and get the best deal possible. Like think about how Daryl handled the Simmons trade. He's like, I'm not, I'm not giving this guy away. I'll, I'll, I'll have a staring contest with him all year until I get something close to what I want. And I, I just don't think they're going to give Duran away because he's under contract for four years and he's unhappy. I have another theory on this, but you go and then I'll give you my other theory. No,
1: I want you to keep going. You're hot right now.
0: I'm hot? <laughs> you, yeah. you keep feeding me? Yeah. Okay. Now I'm doing the wind horse. I'm going to point up. Tom Brady, Bruce Arians. Tom's like, I'm retiring. Are you? Yeah. So Miami thing doesn't work out. Yeah, I'm going to retire. Not really retired. Oh, Tampa changed its coach. I'm back. I wonder if part of this with KD is is Sean Marks related. I think there's some animosity toward the front office from the KD-Kyrie side. I mean, Kyrie has animosity toward everybody, obviously. But the KD side, I think there's too much smoke here dating back to the season and the playoffs with Two things. One is how they handled the Kyrie thing and not having him play the road games during the season because they didn't want to disrupt the continuity of the team. I'm not, I'm not defending either side on this, but I'm just saying, I, I think maybe is like, well, you know, you could talk to yourself into any, re- you're a hero in your own story, as Dave Jacoby always says. Katie's like, I was tired in the first round. If he's thinking that way, and it, part of the reason is because they wouldn't let Ky- KD or Kyrie play these road games. So there's that. You also have, you know, as we know in this world with front offices and GMs and writers who will write stories and writers who will pass along information, the net na- what does the narrative come out over the last couple months, right? It's that this is Katie and Kyrie's fault. They did this. Poor Sean Marks. Poor Nets front office. This is what happens when you turn your team over to these entitled dudes. I don't know if that's, I mean, that's definitely partly accurate. but It feels to, accurate. But but Sean Marks hasn't gotten nearly enough criticism, nearly enough for turning the team over to these guys, for kowtowing to their every demand, to getting rid of Atkinson, which I think everybody feels like he's a really good coach, for how stupid it was to spend that kind of money on DeAndre Jordan, which you and I, if we had had drinks with him, he would have been like, hey, I'm thinking about giving DeAndre Jordan, what was it, three for 30? We would have been like, "Are you insane? Do you have league pass? Why are you doing that?" Um, throwing Jared Allen in the in the hard trade the whole thing. So I think there's some bitterness on both sides now, where Katie and the in his camp is feeling like they're getting blamed for everything, and then the Nets in their camp are like, "You're the reason we're in this mess," which is how divorces happen, right? Except in this case, they can't get divorced. So my 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 Spidey. I have no evidence. I'm not reporting this, but I do wonder if a piece of this is if KD stays, is there going to be a fall guy if he stays? Okay. Um,
1: a lot there. I, you. I, think you're, I think you're right that, I mean, none of us really like blaming ourselves or anything. First of all, I mean, no, that's here in if, our own story. Right. If we can blame somebody else, uh, we'll, we're going to take that opportunity to go ahead and do it. So that's, That's part, like, when I heard stuff about, like, oh, wait, so Kyrie opted in, Durant wants out, like, is there a disconnect there? Did Durant finally realize, like, holy shit, I blew four prime years with you, dude, and you don't play, and there's a million different reasons why you do or don't play, and it's like, no, he's actually mad about what they've done with Kyrie. (laughs) and You're like, wait a minute, and as much as I love Durant, okay? um, Me too. You know, the rings with Warriors count. The guy was fucking awesome. Toe to toe 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 with LeBron. Right. Uh, left Westbrook behind. Makes sense. Like, we get it. All right. makes even more sense years removed from it. You're like, all right, I didn't want to do it. Uh, him not getting enough credit for the Golden State thing. You know what? I also get that part of it, too. It's like, dude, of all the teams, of all the things you could have done, you went ahead and did that. And he's had to pay the price for that for a really long time. And then they went again. And it's like, oh, so they won without me. And it's like, you know, these again, you now you're just paying attention to everybody that never was going to like you to begin with. Like, the people that you're annoyed by, None of them are going to change their mind. There's nothing you can do that's going to make them go, you know what, Durant, you're actually okay in my book now after I shit on you on social media for 10 straight years. It just doesn't happen. But there's going to be some accountability here. So if that's the conclusion that they land on, like was Sean Marks Marks supposed to go, actually, no, we're not getting rid of Kenny Atkinson. Oh, wait, to close this deal, to get Kyrie and Durant here, to get arguably the best player in the league at the time and supposedly another top 10 guy if he actually plays? Like to do that, I'm supposed to start telling you no. This is the way the job works. And I know it sucks. And I know people not, may not like it. I may, th- maybe Joe size friends who don't understand the NBA, but like, what the hell's going on? Well, Joe's been in it long enough. You're like, yeah, this is kind of what happens. This is kind of what the deal is. So I know that you had something on it and I had an open where we completely disagree that. Wait, so you want to blame Sean Marks for not telling you no? <laughs> what the fuck are we even talking about? And that's where I just like, I can understand like, okay, cool, cool presentation. I don't agree. I just, I just don't agree. It's there's, and by the way, the next version of Durant and Kyrie that want to team up and go to another team, they're all going to say yes. They're all going to say yes, except for maybe Joe side.
0: It's like if you, I mean, there's parents, like the iPad is one of the great babysitters, right? And if you just give a, Six-year-old kid, you give him an iPad every day because you don't want to deal with them, you don't play with them, you don't want to interact with them. The kid's just in the corner with the iPad, and that's how they spend the next six years of your life, of their life. And then all of a sudden, they get to like sixth, seventh grade, and now they're having issues. They're not reading, they have attention stuff, and it's it's basically stems with the iPad decision. And then the kid gets mad at the parents because you gave me the iPad, and the parents are like. Well, you know, we we're busy. We're both working. We had to give you the iPad and it's like, nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. This is just where we landed. I feel the same way about this Nets thing where it's like, I get it from the Nets side. I still think given DeAndre, if you're like, hey man, if you're coming into our world, like you have to trust us as an organization and giving DeAndre this kind of money is going to really hurt us competitively because he's not that guy anymore, but they did it whatever they saw with Atkinson when Durant didn't play that whole year and then Kyrie only played 26 games and they are like, we're out, get Steve Nash. Like they definitely, they pushed for that. So when you empower and entitle people for that long, I feel like some of that's on you and it's also on the guys who, that's how they wanted it. They can't be mad at the next. They got
1: everything they wanted. They got everything they wanted and the only way that you can, do you think during the recruitment of players at this stature, you go, hey, here's the deal. If you come to us, we're going to say no to you a bunch and we have the last call on the coach and we have the, we're not going to ask you about any of the, then you might as well just not even recruit them. You know, like you only get so many chances to even be invited to a meeting with one of these players. And until they start playing 10 on 10, none of this shit's ever going to
0: change. But should the nets have been more alarmed about how unhappy the second KD uh, Kyrie season was in Boston and how unhappy the third KD scene in the Warriors were and just like, it, it just seemed like they were so happy to be relevant again. They overlooked every red flag there possibly could be. And I just think, I, I actually wrote this down because I wanted to mention this to you. We used to talk about what would Belichick do it was like a good rule of life in the NFL for a long time, right? What would Belichick do here? Would he, give the, would he let this guy go or would he resign him? Would he turn this guy into picks? Would he trade back? Like, like pretty good barometer. So what would Curry do, I think, is the new what would Belichick do? Curry doesn't want to be the GM. He doesn't want to have him put it in the front office. He wants to be in an organization where he just trusts the people. Like I thought Steve Kerr, he had this awesome point that he said in a press conference about, it was some trade they made. You might've seen this where he was talking about how upset, how upset he was when they, when they traded somebody. Was it the Iguodala trade? Oh, Iguodala trade. Yeah. And he had that great quote about, I was so upset. I just wouldn't have done that. And he's like, that's why the coach can't be the GM. I was too close to, I'm too close to my team. I can't see things correctly. I have relationships with these guys and I just, I'm going to steer it toward what makes it the easiest for me as a coach and not what's best for the franchise. He had this whole monologue about it. It was great. Players can't see what's best for a franchise. They can't. They're going to look at it through the prism of what's best for me. And for those guys, it was what's best for me is we need our buddy DeAndre Jordan. We need to pick our coach and we need to, oh, James Harden available. We got to go trade on for that. That's our guy. And I just don't think, I don't, I there's a reason why all these jobs get split up. There's a reason why Tibbs was a failure in Minnesota as the coach and the GM. Like there's a reason the best organizations have all these different layers to them with decision-making. And Look at what you're
1: Stan gonna, did. Like what Stan did in Stan's Detroit. Stan's another one. When at the very end, it's like, you know what, screw it. We'll go all in on Blake Griffin because I'm probably getting fired anyway. Like, yeah. that's the kind of thing after the fact that Detroit should have been able to file, file a grievance against him. Right. He should <laughs> like, have to get money back. Now, anyway. the owner signed off on it. So we're kind of making fun of the whole thing. Here's the point, though. Like, in the beginning, when we mentioned Kyrie the first time, it's a hang up by every other team except for the Lakers. that can probably talk themselves into some version of this. I don't know what the assets would be. I have to look at it to even explore it for every other team. I'm like, no way with Kyrie. But four years ago with Kyrie, if you're telling me I own the team or I run the team. And I can get a chance to get the rant even off of the Achilles thing, I do it because, you know, I brought up that team from before. They were forty-two and forty. They lost in five games to Sixers in the first round. Their stars are D'Angelo Russell, Russell, Karutz, um, Jared Allen, obviously a nice player. Jared Dudley started twenty-five games. Didn't what he was on the team like. That's not what this is. The goal isn't to be one of those. We teams agree. That, or, we, so I'm
0: not saying they shouldn't have done it. I'm just saying here are the ramifications three years later. How do you fix it? And here's how this gets fixed. This gets fixed with Kevin Durant, and Rich Kleiman, Durant's guy, and Josiah. And everybody else is out of that room. It's those three people fixed this. Josiah hired David Levy and fired him in two months. Josiah just, he just fired somebody recently who was like his president or whoever's in charge of revenue. The Nets were like fourth in revenue last year. And it wasn't, Josiah will do shit. He'll make shit happen. And he's gonna get in a room with those guys, and he's going to tell him like, I'm not giving Kevin away. All we did was bend over backwards to make this guy happy for three years. You're not getting your way on this. So what do we have to do moving forward to make this work? And that's why I worry. Like, who's more likely to leave? Is it the f- whoever was making decisions in the front office or Kevin Durant? I think it's fifty-fifty.
1: I'm with you of having op- an open mind on on this Durant thing. That it's you know I don't I don't have enough information to know whether. It's inevitable or not, because I think if Phoenix had a different owner, they probably would have figured out a way to do this already. But if they had F- Phoenix had a different owner, then Aiton would have had this extension a year ago. So you know, right, that's, right. That's yeah. Phoenix that's isn't
0: exactly. Let's let's open the checkbook. Yeah, because um, you know, honestly, for Durant
1: too to just say like, okay, Phoenix is the one. The Phoenix thing could get bad really quickly. By the way, like I don't know how much longer Chris Paul has in him. And before Chris Paul got there and fixed everything, that wasn't exactly some great team. Now you take Aiton out of the mix. And you're going, all right, maybe it's it's a part-time Chris Paul with Booker, who's probably pretty close to who he's going to be at the max, which is you know terrific. And then Bridges, who's an incredibly inconsistent offensive player. Bridges
0: has to be in the trade.
1: Yeah, then, Bridges would have to be in the piece. trade anyway. But.
0: So my guy, Eddie Johnson, he was saying like, he was talking about Booker and Phoenix because he's like, there's no way they would trade Booker straight up for Durant. You, you guys don't understand. This is Booker City. It's not much different than Curry and Golden State. It's without the titles. But same thing, like, Booker is the guy in Phoenix. Durant's but Booker on that, that
1: extension, once that extension went through for Booker, it, you couldn't have done it anyway.
0: Yeah, but I'm saying, like, I'm saying just in general, if yeah. you're adding Durant right. just with Booker, right. adding Durant with Booker, he's in the same situation he was in with Curry in a lot of ways, where he's going to somebody else's city and somebody else's team. That's what way it's out. But
1: it isn't. But, but it isn't. I, there's just no way. What do you mean? If there's nothing comparable to going to to Golden State with Steph after they had won I'm, a title. And won I'm taking out the games.
0: titles, and I'm taking out that Steph's better than Booker. I'm just saying, like, you're still going to somebody else's city versus like what he had in Brooklyn, where it's like we're creating this from scratch, and I am the guy. That might be. That might be true locally,
1: nationally, not even close.
0: Yeah, fair. All right, taking a break quick. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like McLoab Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at McLoabUltra.com slash courtside LDA 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Viator. Traveling is all about getting out there and experiencing something new and fun. I had this one, I went to Sweden last year. I had to go for Spotify, rolled the dice, I was going alone, had some work friends there, that's it, and I'm like, what's gonna happen? Get there, haven't been to Stockholm ever, walking around, having a great time, just just immersed myself in a totally different culture, really remember, memorable, I remember like a hundred different things about it. If you wanna make your next trip memorable, you need Viator. It's a website and app that'll help you book fun experiences and adventures all over the world. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences in over 190 countries, and it's flexible. They have free cancellation. They have various payment options, 24-7 service, and you can browse millions of reviews from real people so you can make sure you're booking the best adventure for you. They offer all kinds of adventures from simple walking tours to more extreme thrilling adventures and all the niche interesting stuff in between. So that's one app. That's over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Download the Viator app now. Use the code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. That's V-I-A-T-O-R with the number 10. All right, a couple, uh, couple leftovers from the last three days, then we'll go. Let's, go. let's go rapid fire. I think we can do this in 20 minutes, so. Okay. New Orleans goes all in on Zion for the max. You had David Griffin on your podcast. He basically tipped his hand on this. Um, I mean, the Porter contract I think was the most dangerous, big, long contract we've seen with Porter's injury dated back to injury history dated back to high school. New Orleans had to do this with Zion, but I just I just want to take a quick, quick second. This seemed improbable, like what five months ago with how unhappy the New Orleans situation is. Zion wasn't playing. He was overweight. And it seemed way more likely he was going to leave than that he was going to stay, be enthused by the direction of the Pelicans and the whole thing. I'm just surprised. It, it it The turnaround of that was pretty impressive.
1: It is. It is. It also proves why like you can't be emotional. You can't think about stuff in the moment. You can't be going like, all right. You know, There's just so many times we, we say these definitive things when it's like, all right, well, we'll give it time. We'll see what happens. You know, whether it's, There's no way this season's like right now, it seems impossible that Brooklyn would start next year with Kevin Durant. And as you just finished up proposing, like maybe this does get figured out. Maybe you get through all these emotional days with all this stuff. But when Griff came on with me just a few weeks ago, you know, this is kind of how it played out. Like called him a max guy. Want to make this work? He said all of the stuff was a little overblown. I don't know that I am going to 100% agree with that because I think I think there was some serious disconnect at certain points in the middle of the season. But it proved two things, that the Pelicans found a deal that they felt comfortable with. It was one Zion was happy with and keeps hammering home that point. Rookie extensions, we just don't have many guys that that go, you know what? I'm not going to do the rookie extension as a, as a top pick.
0: Lamelo could be our first. Next topic. I tweeted about this, so I'm I'm repeating a tweet. But I j- I just put together all the players on the Kings, and I'm just I like that team. I know they're not going to win the title. They they'll be a playing. You sure? Um, I just w- I'm going to enjoy watching them. That's it.
1: I saw the tweet. I think it's all Malik Monk based, which I love for you.
0: Monk, Herder, our guy.
1: Herder, late season Davion Mitchell,
0: the Fox Sabonis pick and roll. Did you see the the, the, uh, the Murray highlights from whatever Summer League weird game that was? He was immediately first shot, corner three, bang.
1: Yeah, I think there was another Italian guy not named Brachita who had 20 through three quarters in that game as well. So again, yeah. Summer League, we know the rule. We only care about Summer League if it en- enhances our opinion on a player. Dismiss it otherwise.
0: My tweet was that they reminded me from a personnel standpoint of the weird mid-2000 teams that used to give Team USA problems that had shooting and big guys that could move. And they played with the speed. Pick and roll stuff that
1: the guys just didn't (laughs) want to defend.
0: I just, if you've heard her and Mock coming off the bench, I'm going to take you seriously. Another one, Bruce Brown goes to Denver. Now, look, the Lakers, they, pretty clear what was going on there. They just signed three clutch guys, including, um, (laughs) <laughs> the, the Lonnie Walker thing, I think the just general consensus in the league with that got, that was like the biggest WTF signing of all of them because they just spent two months talking about how they wanted two way wings and then they got Lonnie Walker. Bruce uh, Brown by the way, been we, a good Lakers signing, right? It, wouldn't Bruce yes. Brown have been like the perfect mid-level exception for them? Instead he goes to Denver.
1: I'm a little worried about Bruce Brown away from the best version of what It looked like the Nets could be because when it was good, it's like, man, I can just roll to the rim every time and nobody cares. Like when Joe Harris was playing and you had shooting and he was kind of this weird, inverted smallest guy play center thing, which is what's frustrating about the Nets is Ben Simmons could ever get his shit together where, Mm. you know, there's a version of Ben Simmons on the Nets with shooting around him that was like, man, it might have some really easy nights and some great opportunities for him. So Brown away from them scares me a little but then you're putting them with the best passing big man perhaps we've ever seen so
0: uh well who'd you rather have on the Lakers next season Bruce Brown or Lonnie Walker
1: Brown gun to your head Brown uh it's not the same number (laughs) where it's a team that's worried about all the cast but it's funny because on our thread we had somebody be like I can't wait till LeBron owns a team and brings in all the clutch guys and I immediately was like you think once he owns a team and has to pay these players (laughs) he's gonna bring them in
0: he'll be like fuck he's like I may have made my team's pay them, but I'm not fucking paying for these guys. Yeah. I like Bruce Brown on Denver. I thought that was an interesting fit because he can move without the basketball and that's a team that's going to have ball yeah. movement. So yeah, I right. thought, nice yeah. fit for them. I thought the Lakers, look, I, there's still some Lakers contender buzz, which I just, I will freely admit. I just don't understand. Even if you put <laughs> Kyrie in that roster instead of Westbrook, I still don't know who's guarding anyone. And I still don't understand how we just watch the playoffs And you saw how important defense mattered and wing defense and being able to just defend for four straight rounds. And the Lakers are just like, yeah, but what if it's offense that's the new defense? And it's like, no, you're always going to need stops. I didn't like their offseason at all. Um, Which brings me to a quick section. I can't figure out what these teams are doing. So maybe you can explain it to me. I'll I'll give them to you one at a time. What is Portland doing, in your opinion, if you had to describe it in one sentence? I like Think they're going for it and and Dame is a part of it. I mean, they
1: want to pay Dame. Like Dame went from is he going to be out of here to now he's getting an extension? And I think we were very early kind of sharing with the world that we kind of liked Anthony Simons. The shooting numbers have been terrific. A hundred million. I know he's really, really young, but mm. damn. You bring in Grant, like they're they're going for it. Nerds back. Ex- if he's healthy, it's terrific. And it, it does feel a little like, you know, the Portland argument used to be with a healthy, healthy nerd uh Nurkic, CJ, Dame um throw in what would be Powell originally, they yep. would always say, hey, we have the best starting five differential of any team in the NBA. So if I we can, can just figure out it's congrats. like, yeah, but yeah, if you could if you could also defend. So I think they're maximizing whatever they are, knowing that they had some money to spend.
0: Well I wonder if does that make Sharp a possible trade guy? If they're if they're trying to be more of a playoff team this year, like do you take sharp because you think this is the next guy or do you take him because you think he's the best trade asset because this is all the other moves you're making are signifying we want to contend. And then there's sharp over there, seventh pick, a lot of value, and he's just not gonna be ready for a couple of years. It doesn't seem like.
1: We I think we disagreed about this a p- lot in the past. Like I just don't think teams go well. We don't like this player as much as the other players, but let's take him because he'll have more trade value later on. You gotta, gotta you gotta like who you take. I think they probably love the idea of the best version of Sharp could actually be really impressive because it goes in. He's big and the the shot goes in. Mm. Uh but I don't know that he. You know, like a lot of young guys, I think he's a little detached from what everybody else is trying to do. What is Atlanta doing? Uh, I would imagine trying to ease the burden on Trey. I think they ran the highest, whatever. Like, they ran the highest pick and rolls with Trey, and whoever was second was eleven percent lower. Like, they're incredibly predictable. They they got to defend better. So now they feel like they have a guard who is in that defensive rotation that gives them a big improvement. I still think there could be something else because that's just like a two for one
0: or three for one going, and I don't know who it is.
1: Yeah, and with Herger, I they're gonna have to pay Hunter. Yeah, which is a little scary too, because it's like, man, when it's good, it's pretty good, but there's a lot of nights where you're like, where is he? I really um, like
0: Herder, right? I especially at that price. I just yeah, because he can dribble a little, he can shoot. I obviously we, we watch him in playoff playoff series, like play pretty well, and he can yeah. defend. The Phillies. I don't, series, don't know. I just, he had a big game. I don't know I just, how you're simultaneously trying to contend, but then you're also like just kind of dumping Herder. You, what you need is you need Trey
1: to go, hey, we know how good you are. We know you can score. We know you can do all these different things. L- we got to get something else involved here. We can't be running the same shit every single, like these these default possessions where it's the same thing and it's always you. Like those just don't win playoff basketball games. And I, I think that Miami series was, was a real wake-up call instead of thinking that they were the team that was in the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of years ago. Yeah, so he I, got I,
0: demolished. I, yeah. What is Dallas doing in your opinion?
1: They basically I like, I like not paying Brunson. Okay. You?
0: I just like Brunson. I don't mind. I think there's a twenty percent sticker tax for free agents. He's probably a twenty million dollar guy. The yeah. Knicks had to pay him twenty five. Um, I'm trying to win a title with Luka. I don't like losing guys. So, I wonder, are they getting Fournier back? Does that turn into a sign and trade because that helps the Knicks a little bit too? And that gives them a little more. Flexibility, just in general. If I'm Dallas, I have to get something back in that trade, even if it's like Derek Rose's contract for a year that I can flip into something. To just to just lose the Brunson asset is an absolute murder. And you look at, I mean, the best case ever of this was Durant and Wiggins, where Golden State could have just lost Durant instead they turned into the Russell spot. But if I'm Dallas, I'm I'm just trying to turn that into something. And I wonder if it's Fournier, who, by the way, might be pretty good on Dallas. You know, yeah, they brought back
1: Kleber at a good number. Um, Dragic you know, is
0: probably coming, I would assume.
1: I think the Hardaway Jr. things easy to lose sight of. Like, oh shit, that's right, they have him too. Yep. And you also have Dinwiddie, who you can probably involve in a lot of the stuff that you had with Jalen. They got um, Javale. Yeah, and Javale's really nice option as a big that's not that expensive. And then, of course, Dragic is going to be fifty-two years old, and I'm going to be reading a hoops hype link about how Dallas still would love to bring him in with Luka. So
0: it will happen this year. I forgot to mention Dragic when we were talking about the Nets and Sean Marks. Who so who gets the blame for the fact that they fielded that team that just had a bunch of small guys that they missed on Millsap and they missed on Aldridge, they missed on Blake Griffin, um the concept of having Dragic and Patty Mills together all that stuff. Like I don't feel like Durant was signing all those guys. Like at some point does the Nets front office take a little heat for not having a more flexible playoff roster? Or, um, or is it just so much with Simmons dependent and they were misled on that trade? And If they're misled on that trade, shouldn't they get blamed for that? Like, how do we explain the roster that they ended the season with last year? If, if you and I were putting that together, wouldn't you be kind of afraid? People are going to be like, hey, man, what happened with that roster last year? That was fucking weird.
1: Got to tell you, this, this feels like a little rich climate-ish. What do you mean? It just feels like there's a lot of, like, hey, can we point the blame? If you want to tell me that there's other transactions no, that I, could have I done it better, way
0: more, way more blame on Durant and Kyrie. Just for, okay. if I'm pie chart, it's I, I think it's eighty five percent and Kyrie, blame pie, eighty five percent Durant and Kyrie. I'm not carrying anybody's water on this. <laughs> no, I, I know. Just, I, I think know it's weird not. that the yeah. the Nets front office and ownership has now been absolved from the last three years. I don't understand it. Just as a curious person, I don't understand how that's become the mindset. I don't know what happened on the Ben Simmons deal. Why did they think Millsap could still play? They could have asked us. It's like, why did the Knicks sign Kemba Walker? They could have asked anyone who watched basketball. Like When you're done, you're done. That's it.
1: I think the Simmons thing really messed him up because not only moving out Harden, but you couldn't, like, it's a little bit like Westbrook. Like, Westbrook not playing for the Lakers is better than him playing for the Lakers. There's no version. Like, that's it. So them going, what do we do here? We'll trade it for, you know, they're the only team. And again, they're motivated by thinking that LeBron and the Kyrie relationship can salvage whatever version of Kyrie you're going to get for a year, um, which is still a tough gamble. But with the Nets, like, yeah, OK, there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't work out. But like when you hear these stories about how Simmons would show up to some of the workouts, like ready to go and then they're like, oh, he's playing like he's good. He's cleared. We're, we're doing this. And he'd have like a crew with them and like a trainer and and then and then he just he would jog like off to the side. And then people go like, "Wait, what the fuck? Remember the Nick Fordell thing?" Right. Where he Ben Simmons dunks and then points Nick Fordell was like, "Did you get that?" And then Fordell has to like ask, "Can I post it?" And then What about posts- What
0: what I told you about the Celtics game when he went out and rebounded for the guys at halftime of a playoff game in his weird outfit for like 30 seconds and then just kind of wandered off. And everybody who's at the game is like, what's going on with this guy? Yeah. So I don't know I, who's, I, I, whose job is it to have intel on Simmons.
1: But what if you're told like, hey, he's good to go and you're ready. To, and now we're realizing like a pattern. This goes back to the Philadelphia stuff. Like, remember when I did that thing where I was sharing different, you know, scouts in front offices talking about, like, would you rather have Jalen Brown or Ben Simmons? And it was yeah. pretty overwhelming because guys that were plugged in were like, look. The Ben Simmons approach to all of this, this is even before it was even bad in Philadelphia, was just that, you know, his his whole approach, it sounds like a guy who likes the gig, but doesn't want to show up.
0: Can we go back to your Rich Kleiman name drop?
1: Yeah. Dude, was that offensive to you? I apologize if it came off that way.
0: No, it wasn't offensive at all. Okay. I think, I think Durant, I just want to make this clear. I think he's played this horribly. I thought the trade request was horrible and I don't think he should have done it. I just don't. And the moment you do that, I, I think it's really hard to come back from. And I think he should take way more blame for everything that happened the last three years. And I know guys don't blame themselves when we talked about the hero in their own story thing, but I'm not sympathetic to Durant at all on this.
1: No, I love the guy, but the fact that you would decide to go, I'm going to put four prime years and align it with Kyrie, and then apparently he still wants to keep it going. Do you believe that? I know that's what's been said. <sighs> I
0: don't know what to believe on the KD-Kyrie thing. He, he I think the worst Kyrie guy. really let him down. And I, they, if he doesn't see that at this point, I don't know what to tell you. You know, And I, I still don't know what happened with the Harden piece of it either. I have a lot of lingering questions. Well, Harden is
1: sick of Kyrie.
0: Yeah. But how did Harden end up there in the first place? And why did everybody think it was going to work out so great? And I don't know. I just have... I, I can't wait for the book five years from now because I think there's going to be a lot of revelations in it. But again, I think KD goes back. Um, the Clippers are at $191 million right now. They have $106 million for non-Kawhi, non-PG players. Those guys make 85 and the rest of the roster makes $106. they are not even done yet. I just wanted to point that out. I don't normally when you're just collecting assets and putting them at some point, there's an asset kind of cap and I feel like they're close. I didn't understand the John Wall thing um, for them. I thought I understood it for certain teams, but John Wall, Luke Kennard and Reggie Jackson seems excessive to me. Everybody's a like, great sign and great sign. It's like, well, he's played barely anything in four years. And now that's another ego, you know, that you have to fit in, see if he'll be happy. You know, there might, on the Clippers, there's going to be some games where you don't play. It's going to be happy. Um, Is he better than Luke Kennard? If Luke Kennard's healthy, probably not. Well, he's
1: just a different player. He's just a, you know, I I like it. And if, if Ballmer, who doesn't seem to care about any of the expenses or at least doesn't, I don't know, maybe he'll bring it up later on if they're 540 games into the season. But it's, it's crazy how many eight figure guys they have where you're like, wait, what does that guy make? Like Norman Powell. Again, that's not even a bad number for somebody who can score like him. But, you know, Marcus Morris is still, he's still like 34 million the next two years. Kennard's still a pretty hefty number. Covington's 23, 24 million. I think that's second year, though. Um, anyway, I don't know. We just, I'm not going to keep, I've already done that long enough. I regret the segment.
0: And then uh, the last team, um, just Philly, who you seem to like more than I do because I, I just don't trust the Harden thing at all. The P.J. Tucker thing, they really sold their souls two years from now for a one-year P.J. Tucker because I can't imagine he's going to be able to play when he's 40. Um, I really like Melton. I thought that was smart. And in general, they have the a better type of team. It seems like they're going to try to trade for Eric Gordon. But just the Harden piece of it, I'm not going to be able to get past unless I see some footage of him and he's in the best shape of his life. And we have one of those stories where we're like, oh, my God, James Harden. Did you see that clip of him? If it's more the same from last year i don't I just don't see it making a difference, do you
1: yeah i uh I just like what they've done so far. I just really do you know okay. I like the melting part of it. I don't feel like they did a ton to give it up. I think we're starting to realize too, like one of my other biggest pet peeves is that everybody has to be within three years of each other when you're building these rosters. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know who I would like if P.J. Tucker didn't have a ton of interest from other playoff teams. If I had a young team, I'd want P.J. Tucker. I want P.J. Tucker telling my young guys the stories that he told J.J. Reddick on the podcast about what a shithead he was when he was with the Raptors and how they showed him film of him sitting there. This this concept that it's actually I think it's a terrible way to build your young roster when you're rebuilding. It's like, let's make sure everybody's within the same age range. They're all in the same cut co- because that means you've got 14 guys all thinking they're supposed to be all stars. So seven of them are pissed off all the time. There's value Clearly, if I mean, Miami thinks that Udinas Haslam resigning, like I don't, I don't know that these guys get enough respect. Like, if you already know five or six guys are never playing unless it's a blowout, why do you have to have everybody be the same fucking age? It drives me crazy when it's like you'll see this trade. It's like, oh, you know, this fits their timeline a little. What's wrong with having a guy who's twenty
0: eight who can get buckets playing with a bunch of guys that are twenty two? Well, look like, at Horford, Horford on the <laughs> Celtics last year helps to have the 35-year-old guy who's seen it all and has done it all and has been in every situation
1: and, and, and he a of adult right and he kind of knows he can't be scared yeah like even if he is a little it's like i can't be scared because i've been around for such a long
0: time so and then they had gallinari who's had a pretty long interesting life nice yeah. to have on your team yeah so i i like i like teams putting an emphasis
1: on this now and I do think everybody needs a fighter everybody needs a tough guy there and I like that Melton can do a few different things and you know maybe it's a little bit more shooting around them and then Maxie's going to be better Um, you know and everybody throw Tobias Harris's stats at you every now and then but whatever so
0: all right, we're wrapping up where is KD on October 30th oh I don't know I'll just say Toronto really I'll say Brooklyn where's Kyrie Thailand. I think he's still on the nets, not playing. I wouldn't rule out Minnesota, though. I still, I just feel like they could talk themselves into that after three drinks. <laughs> three <laughs> a, or 30 three drinks at a at a July 4th party. But like, what about Kyrie? That guy, she's in that game where he scored 60 <laughs> we, out of Orlando. You got 151 floaters on these. Uh, can I ask you about two contracts? Yeah. And then we'll go. M- Marvin Bagley, Detroit. It was a little hefty. Three for 37. I like that they kept them, but I, I thought that... I don't know who you're competing against for three for 37. Who Who is the runner-up in the Marvin Bagley sweepstakes?
1: When were you expecting to learn the second year of the Mo Bamba deal was like partially guaranteed?
0: Probably when I saw the tweet. <laughs> Gary Harris, same thing?
1: Yeah, I guess they just wanted to kind of... I don't know. The Mo Bamba one really surprised me. I was surprised they were interested enough to keep him around and... uh <laughs> I kept thinking like, oh, cause it's a little, it's not as bad as the NFL, but there's still a little football element to like, okay, but what's going to happen? Like how, how much partial guarantee? Like I've seen a deal where a guy's 12 million on the books for the third year of the deal. And you're like, it's 300,000 is
0: guaranteed. Yeah. Right. When are you doing your next podcast? I'll be ready to go Tuesday morning. All right. So we'll find out if something happens there. Thanks to uh Kyle Creighton for producing thanks to Steve Cerruti and Dylan Berkey as well new rewatch was come Monday night we did Misery with uh Kathy What is What is that Nets Khan. Nets team DVD <laughs> well, it was in honor of the Nets we shouldn't dedicate it to that uh, good to see you Rossello happy July 4th yeah you too